Hello, loyal blog listeners. Uh, welcome and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I am here today with my colleagues, Aaron Bauer and Mike DiMarino, and we're here to talk about class actions brought under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, or the FCRA. Mike, could you give us some history of the FCRA? The congressional purpose in enacting the FCRA is to ensure that consumer reporting agencies exercise their responsibilities uh, with fairness and impartiality and with uh, respect for uh, consumers' right to privacy. Uh, The Act requires consumer reporting agencies and other entities obtaining consumer reports to follow reasonable procedures to make sure uh, the maximum possible accuracy of the consumer reports. And courts have often noted that the that a claim under the FCRA uh, lends itself to resolution through class action litigation. And FCRA class actions have increased partially uh, recently as a result of uh, the Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Act amendments, which require that a consumer who is accorded less favorable treatment in reliance on his or her uh, credit report be provided with an adverse action notice. Now, within the employment context, uh, the plaintiff's bar often targets employers for improper disclosures and authorizations on employee applicant background check forms. Now, whenever an employer wishes to obtain a consumer report of an employee applicant, the employer must first obtain the applicant's written authorization to obtain such a report. In 2022, the class action plaintiff's bar continued to look for any failure of an employer to provide these disclosures or obtain proper authorization from an applicant. Is there any relevant recent case law that tends to be guiding courts in terms of resolving these FCRA class actions? Uh, there, there is. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in TransUnion LLC versus Ramirez uh, substantially limited FCRA class actions by making it clear that only consumers who have been concretely uh, harmed by defendant's statutory violation uh, may sue that private defendant over uh, an alleged violation. Uh, In TransUnion, the defendant uh, credit reporting agency generated thousands of consumer credit reports which mistakenly matched individual names with the names of people on uh, a State Department list of individuals who threaten uh, America's national security. However, the Supreme Court only allowed the uh, case to proceed for plaintiffs whose false reports had been provided to third-party creditors. According to the Supreme Court, if the third-party creditor did not receive the potential defamatory reports, then the individuals did not suffer from a concrete injury that would otherwise allow them to sue under uh, the FCRA. Erin, can you tell us about some of the key settlements and rulings in FCRA class actions in 2022? Yes, in McIntyre uh, versus Rent Grow in the First Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, the Court of Appeals upheld a district court's grant of summary judgment uh, to the defendant consumer reporting agency Rent Grow uh, because the plaintiff, a prospective housing tenant, could not show that the defendant's use of inaccurate third party data was reckless. The plaintiff had alleged that Rent Grow uh, willfully placed court information in her tenant's screening report obtained from a third-party vendor, TransUnion, which incorrectly showed that there had been a judgment against her in a previous landlord-tenant dispute. However, the First Circuit, even though this was inaccurate information, the First Circuit uh, concluded that no reasonable jury could find that the publication relied on by the plaintiff was sufficient to put Rent Grow on clear notice 
that it's a um, battery of procedures to assure accuracy, selecting the best available records provider, reassessing that choice in comparison with other competitors, filtering out um, inaccurate records, and a whole list of um, precautions taken um, by the credit reporting agency uh, constituted a willful, reckless um, disregard. Uh, it's important to note here that this case only involved recklessness. It did not involve uh, negligence. And the First Circuit specifically observed that the plaintiff might have been able uh, to argue that RentGro, the consumer reporting agency, um, had been negligent. However, RentGro uh, could not allege that because they did not have the kind of informa specific information uh, regarding damages that would enable them to prove negligence. So their own, the only way that they could succeed in this case is by proving that it was a willful violation um, on RentGro's part. There are also several rulings involving uh, the FCRA's standalone document provision uh, in both Singletary versus uh, G6 Hospitality LLC in Johnson uh, versus G4A Solutions. Uh, the court approved settlement uh, resolving claims that the defendant violated the FCRA by including extraneous information and the acts required disclosures. Uh, both uh, in Singletary and Johnson decisions show that an employer's best efforts to comply with uh, both state background check laws and F the FCRA's uh, required disclosures can backfire when you attempt to put them both in the same, uh, re uh, same disclosure document. A common issue running through many FCRA class actions is the issue of standing, and in particular whether a plaintiff can allege a concrete harm or an injury in fact caused by the defendant's FCRA violation. If a plaintiff fails to allege an injury in fact or a concrete harm caused by an FCRA violation, courts tend to dismiss those cases um, right out of the gate. Um, Mike, are there any standing um, decisions we should be aware of from 2022 in particular? That's a great question. There is uh, in uh, Lemon uh, versus uh, Circle K Stores, Inc., a California state appellate court upheld the trial court's dismissal of the plaintiff's FCRA claims uh, because he had not alleged uh, an injury in fact that would give him standing to bring the suit. There, the plaintiff uh, alleged that the defendant violated the FCRA standalone provisions by including required California background check disclosures uh, and the required FCRA disclosures in the same background check authorization form. Now, the court found that plaintiffs being confused uh, was insufficient to constitute injury and upheld the uh, lower court's dismissal. And at the federal appellate level in Schumacher versus SC Data Center Incorporated, the Eighth Circuit took up the issue of standing in relation to the FCRA requirement that employers provide an adverse action notice the applicants before denying employment on the basis of a consumer report. In this case, the plaintiff's job offer was rescinded due to a negative consumer report. However, the employer failed to provide an adverse action notice as is required under the FCRA. The plaintiff argued that the employer's failure to provide the adverse action notice deprived her of the opportunity to explain to her prospective employer the negative but accurate information contained in her consumer report. The Eighth Circuit denied this argument, finding that neither the text of the FCRA nor the legislative history provide support for the claim that the plaintiff had a right under the FCRA 
to not only receive a copy of her consumer report, but also discuss directly with the employer accurate but negative information within the report prior to the employer taking the adverse action. It's important to note here that there is a circuit split on this issue. For example, the Third and the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals have held that an employer's failure to provide an adverse action notice is sufficient in itself to show harm to the applicant. Additionally, employers need to be aware of the fact that there are numerous state and local requirements that require employers to provide applicants with the chance to explain their negative record before an adverse action is taken, such as under the Illinois Employee Background Fairness Act. The total of the top 10 settlements in the FCRA class context in 2022 was over $210 million, with the largest among those being over $60 million. Um, those are some, some high numbers in terms of overall settlement values. Erin, what's the takeaway for, from corporate counsel relative to those numbers? Jen, first and foremost, it's very important for consumer reporting agencies to implement policies and procedures that furnish accurate reports. Any systemic issue in a reporting system um, provides the plaintiff's class action bar with ample evidence to argue that class certification is justified, regardless of whether or not they're was actual harm to many consumers. Another uh, t- clear takeaway here is that good document retention can save the day in FCRA litigation. For example, the defendant credit reporting agency in TransUnion, the Supreme Court case that Mike was previously talking about, was able to substantially reduce uh, the class size, the potential class size, by showing that even though flawed reports were generated on their end, Uh, many of the reports never were sent to third-party creditors, so there was no actual harm. Um, And then finally, while various cases involve uh, the generation of consumer reports for tenant applicants, these cases can be just as applicable to consumer reports generated for employee applicants. So it's really important that employers pay attention to these FCRA cases that may be outside of the uh, employment context because the plaintiff's class action bar here will continue to press the legal envelope and find um, new ways um, to generate lucrative um, class actions. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you again for joining us for another edition of our Class Action Weekly Wire.